Hello, and welcome to the first official book club episode of There I Read It. I know some of you are sitting here thinking, wait a minute, we've been watching you go over Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone chapter by chapter. How are you saying this is your first book club video? Well, it actually occurred to me that some people might prefer discussing the entire book instead of one chapter at a time. So I thought I would throw out some of my lingering issues and questions with Harry Potter and sort of spark a debate with some people hopefully. Please watch, please share, and biggest please of all, please remember that not everybody watching this has read all seven of the books yet, myself included. So keep those spoilers about future books out of the comments. Kindly keep the discussion rooted to issues in book number one, and if you feel like you absolutely have to drop a spoiler, don't give any specifics. Just say something like, oh, well, that's gonna change in book seven, and then you'll understand this. Don't ruin things for people, that's all I'm asking. Anywho, here's my list of things that I thought would be interesting talking points. Number one, so even though I have dyslexia and I completely dread reading any kind of long material, I felt like Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone moved way too fast. There is so much going on in this world that even the non-plot advancing days would have been interesting to look at, and I felt like we got denied. Like, if it was not something directly connected to the overall plot, we didn't really see much about it. Not that we had to see every single day of Harry being at Hogwarts, but you know, just a little bit more flavor text would have made me happy. But what do you think about that? Number two, I was almost annoyed with how pretty much every little detail had a payoff once the kids went down the trap door. Even most of Harry's Christmas presents seemed to serve this double purpose to kind of help him unknowingly complete his mission. And that doesn't make sense to me because surely Hagrid did not give Harry a flute with the intention that Harry was going to use it on Fluffy, right? So who is the puppet master here manipulating everybody so that things line up so perfectly? Number three, to answer myself, I think Dumbledore is definitely manipulating a lot of the events in the book. Even with the troll going into the girl's bathroom, I can't logically figure out why Quirrell would want that specifically to happen. He shouldn't have even known that Hermione was in there, so I kind of wonder if Dumbledore kind of nudged the troll in that direction, and that gave him an excuse to try and test Hermione's mettle or to kind of force Ron, Harry, and Hermione to become friends. So Dumbledore's back there going, okay, let's see, we need a wizard who's going to be good at this, this, and this. So let me see who in this first year class I can mush up with Harry. It's curious. Number four, as for things that did not get a payoff, I still want to know why Ron is allowed to bring a rat to Hogwarts when the invitation clearly said an owl, a cat, or a toad. It's strange that the school supply list is very strict about some things and then very lackadaisical about others. But if the issue is that any animal can be used as a familiar, then why only list three on the supply list? Number five, also with Ron, why did we take the time to hear about the wand choosing the wizard if he's got some weird wonky hand-me-down? How would that wand even work for him? Is there a second-hand wand shop where you also go through the process of finding a wand that will allow you to use it? I mean, when we saw Harry at Ollivander's trying out these different wands, there were like explosions and big messes created when he tried to use ones that didn't fit with him. And that was under the supervision of a trade 
acting professional, so how did Ron get his wand? How was it not causing issues for him the entire book? I mean, there wasn't even one problem. Just seems like a really strange plot hole to not cover at all. Number six, another issue, and I did think of doing this whole book club thing in hindsight, so full disclosure, I did just finish Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets yesterday, and I won't give any spoilers for people who are reading along for the first time too, but I will say that there is a moment in Sorcerer's Stone pretty early on, and it ends up having a weird payoff in the second book in a very unexpected way. Like, in the first book, it just seemed like, oh, here is a weird magical moment, and in the second book, it's like, oh no, there's a whole reason for this. So it is very interesting that these different payoffs come about in different ways, and it makes me wonder how much I don't know, having not read the entire series yet. And I would love to find out what kind of payoffs you guys have found in different books, but I, I don't want to because I don't want those answers because they're gonna spoil things for me. I don't want spoiled. But number seven, why didn't the ghosts ever know more than they seemed to know? They all seem to have a lot of knowledge about things that were going on and they all had a lot of pride in the school. Plus, you know, they can walk through walls and go literally anywhere in the castle. So how did they not figure out the thing with Quirrell right away? I mean, the ghosts seem to show very little regard for personal boundaries anyways, so you would think somebody like Peeves, the poltergeist, would have rushed straight to Dumbledore and said, I know something about Quirrell! Ha 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 ha! Again, it's another plot hole that doesn't quite uh, connect for me right now. Number eight, Dumbledore really bugs me too. He seems to be very aware of what's going on at Hogwarts, and yet he grooms Harry, Hermione, and Ron, 11-year-old kids, to go and do his dirty work instead of fighting Quirrell and Voldemort himself. And Dumbledore had to be watching Harry pretty closely because he knew that Harry was getting addicted to the mirror. And Dumbledore rushed in to save Harry before he died after the battle with Quirrell and Voldemort. Voldemort is supposed to be afraid of Dumbledore, so I, I don't understand why he would serve Harry up on a platter like that. I almost suspect that Dumbledore was trying to figure out if Harry was evil or not, and this was like a test. You know, kind of like, oh, well, when Harry meets Voldemort, will they hit it off and go fly off into the sunset together? And what if things had gone differently and it was Ron who made it all the way to the end and went into the final room alone? Things have to work out just so perfectly for that ending to work, and I have so many questions. Number nine, and this is the last issue I want to touch on, and that's the Dursleys. And I know I have gotten just a ton of flack for defending them in this book. I will say, having read the second book now, I do like the Dursleys less in that one, but just focusing on what's going on in book one, I still feel really bad for them. People are so quick to say, oh, well, they're abusing Harry, but really, we have such limited information on them. Harry just gets dropped off on their doorstep as a one-year-old and nobody even rings the doorbell to make sure he gets inside safely. I mean, what the heck? And then we go from Harry being left on the doorstep as a baby to 10 years later with not really one adequate story between that time frame. By Harry's own account, he had a lot of inexplicable things happening to him, and I'm sure that all weighed heavily on the Dursleys. And look, I'm not saying that they're the best people on the planet, but this is their home and their life, and they're welcome to live it however they want. Instead, though, they have been utterly miserable and terrified for years, an entire decade of their life just 
gone. So of course that's going to manifest itself in negative ways. Honestly, from the little bit of exposition that Petunia gives, I see a lot of telltale signs of PTSD. She is just horrified of magic. Then, while trying to desperately flee from magic, Hagrid tracks them down, kicks in their door, and then gets mad at her husband Vernon, so for some reason, puts a tail on Dudley as a punishment. Now, mind you, Dudley is not a fantastic person either, but he's 11 years old. And the tail was permanent. Way to make bad blood worse there, buddy. But despite all of this, the Dursleys still kept Harry and even pick him up at the train station at the end. I mean, in their position, I probably would have called CPS and let them haul Harry away at that point. You have to think, Harry's first year at Hogwarts is also the Dursleys' first year where they're not in constant terror. So I wouldn't want him back. I wouldn't let him back personally if I had the same feelings. I mean, this magical adventure story for Harry is an utter horror story for the Dursleys. And they've had to live that way every day for 10 years. So I think they deserve some credit that they managed to do that and that they had to put up with a lot for years and still managed to keep Harry in their house. And yeah, I grant you, it's not the greatest of circumstances. They keep Harry in the closet under the stairs, but I mean, it seems like most of what they do are reactions and not them just being evil for the sake of villainy. So I really think that those 10 years that get glossed right over, that there was something that happened that pushed them to put Harry in that closet. You know, how many times are you going to wake up at three in the morning and go get a ladder to scrape a baby off a ceiling because they're inexplicably flying? Or I don't know, maybe he was shooting laser eyes out the window at the neighbors. I mean, there, there was some reason. I'm sure that he ended up under there. Is it a nice thing to do? No. Would they have had a better time keeping Harry from magic if they treated him like a true son that they loved? I mean, yeah. But that's also why I suspect that the letter Dumbledore wrote for them when he left Harry on their doorstep had some kind of spell or charm in it, and that further altered the minds of the Dursleys, so it's just such a cluster bleep of problems that I really do feel bad for the Dursleys, whether other people think they deserve it or not. Anyways, guys, I am excited to hear your opinions of this first book club meeting. Feel free to jump into any of the discussions I brought up or to add your own in the comments. Just again, please, 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 no spoilers for books outside of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Anyways, guys, I might be overthinking it, but that's literally my job, and we'll see you next time, family members. Hugga mugga! Well, family members, we're almost done, but I want to invite you to hang out with me in some other places. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as my own personal self, and I have a Facebook page too, but I mostly just post photos over there. And sometimes people say, hey, McGann, I want to mail you something. How do I do that? Easy. Just click the About tab on my channel page, and my most current P.O. Box info will be right there. I also run another channel, The Family. It's really a hodgepodge channel where we might post anything. Oh 
yeah. And I also sell shirts and stickers and stuff with the family and the fangirl logos. If that is your cup of tea, I have a link in every description of every video. Finally, if you want to help out the fangirl channel and make sure I'm putting out video essays for years to come, the best way you can help is by subscribing and watching more of my videos, whether they're new, old, whatever. Maybe even share one or two on social media, help spread the word. People who watch to the end of videos like you helps to tell the site, hey, this is a good video. We should recommend it to other people. So if you made it this far, leave me a comment of something like, hey, I made it to the end. Love ya. See you next time, family members. Bye.